morning, everyone. Welcome to Unsupervised Leadership. We are officially on episode seven. Can you believe that, Courtney? I can't believe it. I love it so much. Shout out to all of our listeners. We are beyond one. And so thank you to all of our friends and family. Yeah, and thank you to our original seven, the seven of you that always, we had faith in you from the beginning. (laughs) Our family. (laughs) Yeah, our family. Our moms. So we are really excited today because we have had the pleasure of interviewing and virtually meeting, well, me virtually meeting, Dr. Susan Enfield and Dr. LaTanya Gaffney. And let me tell you, these two wonderful, fierce, fabulous, fun females rocked our worlds when we interviewed them. They have so many different inspirational quotes that Courtney and I have now stolen and we use, (laughs) and we are so happy to have you guys be able to virtually meet them too, because we actually spoke to them for over an hour because we were just so invested in listening to what they had to say. But before we get into that, we need to get into our struggles of the week. Isn't that right, right, Courtney? Well, yeah. And I think what everyone's really wondering, what are we drinking this week? I have been places, Kate, people are like, I'm listening to the podcast and may I make a few drink suggestions? Oh yeah. We love that. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm taking them. Of course I take all of these suggestions, but people are really getting a kick out of the fact that we have a drink of the week. And then they always love listening to whatever the guests that we have on what would be his or her favorite drink of the week. So do you want to tell everyone what we're drinking this week? Guys, we're, we're going back to basics because (laughs) we've had a rough couple of weeks. We, we now have so many things happening. So we're back to our, our tried and true Prosecco because we've stayed away from the blue moons because we're disappointed in the oranges still. So we need to work on that. We're going to figure that out and we're going to tell everyone how we can fix that for you. Thank you. And I do need to at least say to you that Beth, our guest last week, when she shared that we should not be putting fruit in our drink, that since that point, I know you've stayed away from Blue Moon because you're doing the no carb, no dairy, and we're proud of you for that. I, on the other hand, have not, and I have been out places, and when they show up with that beautiful Blue Moon with that orange I've not put the orange and and it's been devastating for me. So I said, please let Beth know that she's ruined my drink <laughs> experience. <laughs> hey, I'm going to let her know. She's going to say, I'm glad that I taught you that. And she's also going to say, yeah, she'll be proud of it that I didn't tell you earlier, but I just <laughs> forgot. And also I kind of feel like some natural germs are good for the body. It's fine. <laughs> How are things going with you, Kate? So what's happening in your life with this no dairy And I mean, I know that things have just been continued stress personally and and professionally. Is there anything that you're going to tell our listeners? Because people are really into what's happening with us personally with our weight loss journeys. I've got people talking to me about that too. And I'm like, oh goodness. You know, this week was teacher appreciation week at school. So that has not been helping my diet because our PTO (laughs) has been absolutely spoiling our staff. Like I'm talking a catered Italian lunch for dinner today. We had crumble cookies on Tuesday. I'm making the staff pancakes on Friday. We've got another lunch on Thursday. Like it's not going well for me this week because I'm eating all the food I shouldn't be eating, but it's going to be fine. I'm going to, I fell off the wagon for a little bit and I'm going to jump back on after the weekend. It's going to be fine. (laughs) I love it. Now I was at the superintendent of distinction luncheon today. They had some great chicken Parmesan with mashed potatoes. Mm -hmm. 
let me tell you, I loved all of that. And they ended it with probably the best cheesecake that I've ever, cheesecake's my favorite dessert. They ended it with the best cheesecake and shout out to all of our Illinois superintendents of distinction that we celebrated today. It's just so great to see people celebrating and elevating our profession. And those are people doing that. So shout out to all of you. Yeah. And speaking of that, Courtney and I always talk about celebrating, elevating, having a seat at our table for people that tune into our podcast, that meet us, that talk to us. And today's message of the week or things that we really were thinking about was mean girls and Mm. mean boys (laughs) and how not to be one of them. And why do we see people tearing each other down? Where does it come from and how do we stop it? Oh my goodness. Isn't this just, let's just cut right to it. So we do so much women in leadership work in Illinois and really across the country. And one of the things that I always say, Kate, is this, I have not found that men are the barrier to women in leadership. We know that teachers are predominantly female. We know that administrators are predominantly male. However, I think when I have been speaking to females across the country, we find two issues. Number one, women are our own worst enemies. We are plagued with perfectionism, self-doubt, nothing's ever good enough for us. And the men right now are nodding in agreement, not wanting anybody to know that they're nodding in agreement. And females are like, yeah, totally. Now, if a man says that we'd be mad, but if Courtney or Kate say it, we're like, yep. And the second women are not always nice to other women. Every single time that I have ever said that publicly, people will come up to me and say, thank you for saying that because that has happened to me either as a teacher an administrator, a mom, a sister, a, you know, family member, and we can be better. And so we thought, Hey, let's just go ahead and let it rip. Let's have a whole conversation (laughs) about women, not being nice to other women. It's, and it's funny because I think it starts when we're younger, right? Like there's this philosophy out there that you have a certain group of friends and you know, you're close and there's like another person coming in. We give the analogy all the time about walking into a room and you're already there with your friend and you feel that like, if you're a people person, you can feel or see two people looking you up and down, deciding to talk to each other about you or about what you're doing. And then deciding like, do we talk to this person or do we not? And it's almost a cultural thing. And then if you don't change it when you're young, which I don't think any of us really do, you get into adulthood and into your professions and you see that even, even more because as educators, if you think about it, you have teams of, you know, anywhere from five to 15 people that you meet with a day and not everybody is going to have the same personality and they're not all going to get along and love the same things and want to be friends outside of work. But there is a certain part where we need to say, putting all that aside, like we're here for each other and we don't want to exclude anybody or hurt anybody's feelings. And being a mean girl isn't cool. It's not something that people, you know, appreciate or like, or want to be a part of. Sure. It's fun. I guess if you're the one that is not being very kind, or that might be the perception, but it's more or less like, how do you stop that? And then what kind of image are we setting up for our kids in school? If they see adults doing that. Yeah. And I think we have to be better I like the fact that you're saying this happens at an early age. If you'll speak to parents about it, if you work in schools, you will see this happen at an early age. And how do we intervene? Are we actually standing on a playground, watching it happen, saying, Hey, this is a teachable moment. Mm -hmm. Let's go ahead and intervene. I mean, I've got an eight-year-old daughter and she's playing softball now, and I'm keenly aware about the interactions 
that she is having in front of my face. And I'm always thinking, and I know that we're going to be interviewing other people that will say, you know what? I want my daughter or my kid to be the nice kid. Mm -hmm. And we can be better about that because then we maybe aren't nice when we're young and then we grow up and we're facing this in the workplace. I will never forget when I was an administrator, someone looking at me within the first maybe week and asking for assistance with something and someone leaning down next to me as she was helping me. And she said, everyone's waiting for you to fail. And I was (laughs) like, who says that? And so I looked at her and I'm thinking, you know, what's interesting. I bet you are too because it wasn't said in a supportive way. It wasn't, everyone's waiting for you to fail and I'm here to help you. It was more like, and I'm on that boat. And I thought to myself, wow, are the cards just stacked against me right now? Who's on my side? And I I have to give a shout out to not only Doug Wood, who took a chance on me to be an administrator when I probably had no business being an administrator, but Doug took a chance on me and saw something in me that I didn't necessarily see in myself. And also Margaret Longo, who took a chance on me when I probably had no business becoming a principal, but she helped me and she mentored me and she encouraged me. So I've had both men and women in my life that have helped. And I know that you have too, Kate, and I want to hear more about that, but I think we can just be better in our profession because everywhere I go, people talk to me about this and women can be nicer to other women. We can support, we can encourage. Yeah. And I think that goes back to being vulnerable. Like there's like this shame almost in saying, if you hear something that you don't like, or someone does something that hurts your feelings and being like, Hey, can we talk about that? Like it's also being vulnerable and it's also being direct. Like that didn't feel so great. And that's what we teach our kids in school every day. If someone said like, says something to you that you don't like, or they don't want to be your friend. I mean, think about it. We spend so much time on teaching kids, social, emotional skills, how to recognize different people's emotions, how to approach one another, how to problem solve. I mean, we spend a great deal of time doing that in elementary school. And then as adults, we, I mean, you, we've all, we're all guilty of it. You're sitting in a group and you're like, ah, what that person just said really made me mad. It could be a guy. It could be a girl. It doesn't matter. And then what you do with that though, determines the kind of person you are. If you turn around and talk to the next person and say, I hate this person, or I hate that idea. And you never share that or go up to that person and give them the opportunity to have a conversation. Then you're just as guilty as the person that said something that made you feel bad. In my opinion, education can be super gossipy. I don't think that I have ever worked in a school system or worked with a school system that I haven't said, Hey, have you ever noticed that education can be a gossipy place that everybody in that place wasn't (laughs) like, Oh yes, it absolutely can. But I feel like sometimes our focus is really on all the wrong things, but Mm -hmm. I have to give a shout out to the people that we took a chance. I don't know. However many weeks ago it's been now and you're, you've been on me like, we need to do this podcast. We need to do this. Mm -hmm. And I was so apprehensive about it for a lot of reasons but you pushed me and you encouraged me. And now here we are, here we are. And I will tell you that I think that we have some pretty incredible supporters, men and women. We also, I'm sure have people listening to see what are they going to screw up this week? (laughs) And, And we have people that I'm not everybody's cup of tea. You're not everybody's cup of tea, but I do feel like, Hey, even if you don't like me, can we just show some respect? 
the Mm -hmm. judgment and gossip is prevalent in so much of what we do in education. And when I go out there and speak, and I know you're the same way, Kate, we need to rise above this. We can find things to talk about with each other, but we need to be better about supporting. And that's why one of our mottos has always been, let's celebrate and elevate. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head with that. Cause we have a lot of people that truly support us. Like you said, I mean, my assistant principal, Ryan Talaga, he is probably, I would say close to one of our original seven listeners. And he, <laughs> he does laugh at my jokes on here, which I appreciate like my Mariano's cards comment. Love that. Um, <laughs> but he's always like, yeah, do it. Like, I think that's great. And he's such a good teammate. So I can't thank him enough for that. And then, you know, Scott Dart, who took a chance on me, who was my very first principal. And he, I mean, he texted me the other day and he said, Kate, you have a podcast. Like, is there anything you can't do? <laughs> He's like, seriously, what like, a kind yes. comment. Yes. And yeah, that. I got it. And I was like, see Scott Dart, this is why you're great. This is why you're such a good human and good things happen to you because you put it out there in the world and you are like radiating positivity. And some people, you know, think, really they're that happy all the time, or they're that, you know, complimentary of people all the time. Try it. Seriously. It will probably change your day or at least for a week, get a gratitude journal. That also helps. Wouldn't you much rather be around people that are positive than negative? My goodness. I mean, we've all worked with people throughout the course of our career that when somebody walks in that room, you're like, wow, they, like you just said, they're radiating energy. Mm -hmm. We want to talk to them. They're a blast. But even on some of their worst days, you could think, I still want to hang out with that person. Mm -hmm. There's other people that they walk in and you want to just run the other way. Like you're, you, you are not happy. You're unhappy. Mm -hmm. And I just think there's a lot of judgment and gossip that continues to happen in our profession. And we just really need to refocus and we need to rise above and we need to focus on kids and families and our communities, but we do, we have some great supporters Mm -hmm. and I think that we want to give a shout out because you've already been talking about some people. We try to give a shout out every single time. And I know you talked about Ryan, which I love, but another one is Marissa Darlington. Mm -hmm. Love Marissa. Excellent superintendent. She's listening to this podcast and she's super reflective Lori Mach, I think that she's awesome. Another superintendent. We've got Nina Croak that's been sending us messages. Barb Tonson, uh, Sherry Middleton, Lori Frank Hopkins, Bridget Bell Castro gave us a shout out on the soup chat and said, we're mm-hmm. listening to F4 leaders. I was like, what? This is so great. Mm-hmm. Candy Shaver. I mean, we have just really been blessed with people who are genuinely supportive And before you give a quick list, Kate, I also know that we've been faced with a situation that people were like, oh, you mean you're with air quotes, your passion project that you're doing. And it wasn't said in a way that was really supportive. Here's the thing. We know that there's going to be people that are not supporters. We're okay with that. I don't, I don't expect that every day we wake up, everyone's be like, yeah, this is so great. But here's the thing. We're not asking you to listen. Mm -hmm. We're really just trying to, what did Adam welcome say? Change the world. (laughs) Yeah. We're just trying to change the world, but we are going to be grateful and pay it forward and express gratitude to the people that have been kind and reached out to us and been supportive because we kind of took a big leap of faith. (laughs) 
to be able to put ourselves out there like this. And we like hanging out with each other, but it's just been kind of cool to see that people have been impacted by some of the things that we've brought up and some of the guests that we've had on. They've been great. They have been. And honestly, it's, it's a nice reflection, even for you and I, when we have these people on our podcast and they talk to us about things that are important to them, because I always start my work week thinking about, yeah, that's true. Like I shouldn't get down on myself for this, or this is happening to everybody. Or I do spend the most time, you know, right now with the people I work with rather than the people at home. Cause that's just the reality. So you have to make your situation and your current surroundings, a good one. Some more people that always support us. Kelly Marteau's, Lori Frank Hopkins, Jennifer Lindsay, Bethany Martino, Diana Vargas. I actually have a special shout out, Courtney, that okay. someone wrote in Ooh. and they shared with us. And I love this because this is the exact opposite of being a mean girl. This is being an F4 leader, a supporter, recognizing somebody on your team and saying, I want to celebrate and elevate them because they deserve it. Amanda Layden. She is one of the most kind-hearted, selfless teachers you will ever meet. She is rocking her job while battling breast cancer. She Mm. never misses an opportunity to help out her students, teammates, and colleagues, and is always willing to be a team player. She is the epitome of being a selfless leader, even when facing adversity. I could not love that anymore. And Amanda, we are thinking about you. You're in our prayers. We hope that you get through this. We hope that you at least laugh at our jokes and our podcast every Saturday. We love you, Amanda. You've always got a seat at our table. Yes, because that's the kind of person we're talking about. Somebody who's like, I have these, you know, things going on, but I'm not going to let that stop me when I come into work, when I'm with my kids, when I'm with my teammates, when I'm with the people around me, because at the end of the day, it really is how you make people feel like that's the impact you have on other people. It's not, if you're the smartest person in the room, or if you have the most friends, or if you know the most people, it's really like, do people feel comfortable around you? And do they feel like they can have a conversation with you? And Amanda, it sounds like you are, and we are really rooting for you. That's awesome. Yeah, we are rooting for you, Amanda. And shout out to the person that decided to write in and give that type of shout out too, because that's the type of celebrating and elevating that we've been looking for and that we need. A kind word goes a really long way these days. Long Our way. jobs are hard, <laughs> aren't they? Amen. They yeah. really are. We're coming off of your PTSD last week, girlfriend. It's still here. So it'll (laughs) go away soon. I mean, it's just more under control. I've learned some relaxation techniques. (laughs) Let the Prosecco flow. Let the Prosecco flow. And you know what, Courtney, we have two other really quick emails that I think we need to shout out because let's do it. You know, they're just these people. We love reading these emails, by the way. And again, we're getting a lot more emails than we thought we would. (laughs) So this also makes us feel like we're doing a half decent job. We're always going to leave people anonymous unless they ask us not to. But we got an email that made us so happy. It said, KNC, I literally happy screamed in my car today when my email was read on the air last week. I saved the weekly podcast for my Monday morning drive into work to set the tone for the week. Please know how impactful your podcasts are. I cannot wait to attend your book signing. I know it's just a matter of time. <laughs> I do hope that you hold it in a location that provides blue moon. Keep sharing your gift. It's much needed by so many of us and very much appreciated. Listen, Aww. we are going to give you a signed copy of our book and a case of blue moon because your email might even be in the prologue. Like this gave us the inspiration to write the book. So we see you and we love you see you. You got a seat at our table. That's right. But blue moon, no orange. And unless you're at home and you can clean it first. 
yeah, you know, it's totally fine. We have one more, one okay. more shout out because we're all right. about shouting people out because this is what we're doing today. So we have another person that wrote in and said, I'm hooked. Another great episode. Been under the weather this weekend. It's a Monday morning. So while I'm recuperating, I was listening. Ironic that you talked about your pups as I sat here with mine in my lap too. And this was when Sarah Bocek was on. Sarah has always brought a good message. The idea of humanizing the superintendent is something we all contend with. We are always expected to be the leader and not the person. We must remember ourselves in all of this. Thanks for all you do. Glad to be one of your 20 listeners. (laughs) And then they were guessing our secret guests, which we also really appreciated too. So that was great. (laughs) I mean, what's going on? The fact that anybody is even listening or reaching out is humbling, but it's also inspiring because we have said all along that people tend to, and females in particular, tend to shy away, tend to lean back, and they don't want to put themselves on this pedestal. And to be an educator is important, but it's also really, really hard. And we hope that we're giving a space to people to be able to talk about it. It's pretty cool. It is because it's like a therapy session and for all the things that you think are important and (laughs) you just want to talk about them. I don't know how you got me into this, but I'm loving it. Thank you. Yeah. See, and that was fun. You were like, there's no way we could do a podcast. I was like, why not? If one person listens, who cares? Like, we'll think it's funny. And now (laughs) we did it and it's actually fun. And, and I will say meeting a lot of our speakers virtually or in person has been fantastic because Mm -hmm. we kind of do talk about this with our speakers today females not being good at networking. I think a lot of that has to do with what you just said, like walking into a room and feeling uncomfortable going up to a group of people you don't know, because it's kind of the culture and the way things have been for a while. And I think this has been a great opportunity to virtually network people with other people. Like you might not know them or meet them in real life, but you can at least hear their stories and their advice and kind of things that they've gone through. Because I also think that when people start off in education or parents or kids, they see leaders and they think, Oh, they had never had to face any adversity in their life. They've never had any hard times. They're where they're at. Their life is perfect. Everything is great. I'm super envious of where they are. And I don't, I can never be that person. And I think humanizing that and going back to being a kind human pays dividends in terms of things like that. It really does. And when we find that leaders are struggling, it's because they've lost their connection. Mm -hmm. They've lost the, they've, they've just lost the connection and their focus We've spoken about women not being nice to other women. And I think part of our challenge that we want to put out there to the at F4 leaders world is what can you do to make people feel better in the workspace and workplace this week, no matter where you are. And we know that we have people that are listening who are not necessarily in education, but they are leaders in some way and wherever they work and what they do. And we hope that that will encourage and inspire you to rise above and to be able to be encouraging and pay it forward and express gratitude and appreciation for all of the things that we do, because I think we lose sight of that Mm -hmm. so much. And we should do it for people who live in our house as well. I think sometimes we, (laughs) we're really hard on the people who are closest to us. And sometimes they don't necessarily see the best of us and we give our best selves to everybody and everything else. And so it's just a good opportunity for us to kind of take a step back and see what are we going to do this week to be a little bit better? Yeah. We want to challenge all of you, like Courtney said, to 
find a teammate, somebody in your house, a kid, it doesn't matter who it is, somebody that you're like, they look down, they look like they can need to pick me up instead of choosing to be not even a mean girl, but maybe not address it. We challenge you to address it and to make their day and to make, make their day a positive one. You know, like there's very little that you have to do to recognize that someone's having a hard time or is feeling left out to make them feel like they're being heard or they're being seen. We tell that all the time when we talk about kids in the classroom, but we don't talk about it enough when we think about adults in a space, knowing things about each other, taking the time to get to know each other, taking the time to be kind. And it's natural for a negative thought or two to come in your mind, but start training yourself to say, I'm not here for this anymore. Like, this is not what I want to do. And if I'm going to continue to be negative, then maybe I need to move into a different role, into a different job. Because I always tell people, and Courtney and I talk about this all the time. If you continue to complain about your situation, but you've decided to stay in your situation, then that's your own problem. It's your choice. You know what Sandy Brown would say? Hey, you're, you made that choice. You should yep. own that choice. And sh- that goes back to our very, very first episode. So we have two great guests on today and I'm excited for both of them. I remember when we started this journey, I said, I think that these two females would be incredible F4 leaders. So today we're going to have Dr. Susan Enfield and Dr. LaTanya Goffney, you are going to leave inspired, encouraged. Kate was so funny. She said, I want to be friends with them. I did. I am going to, I am friends with them now, you guys, just so you know, because I was like, this is my opportunity to be awkward and weird at the same time. And just tell them that I love them and want to hang out with them because they were so great. And they were, didn't think I was weird. So in case. No, they are so <laughs> genuine and kind, aren't they? And they it are. Was- it was really sweet too. Cause they were like, Oh, like what's her information. Cause we want to reach out to her too. And you know, they're just about inspiring and, and really elevating females and all educators of how we can be better together. But we have some really great upcoming episodes, sneak peek into this. We're going to be interviewing a, a parent. We're going to be interviewing a principal who is getting ready to retire who has served in a district for a very, very long time. And what are some of the challenges associated with moving into next steps of your life? I think for so many of us that our identity is our work. So we're Mm -hmm. going to talk to these people about this and like every episode, get ready everyone, because we are also going to be giving a shout out and interviewing not only Loretta, but Denise, they are very nervous about this. If we might be totally honest. Yeah. My mom is like, I hate when I listen to your podcast sometimes because all these people you have on are so inspirational. I have nothing inspirational to say, but she does. So we're going to hype her up because we're not mean girls and we're here to elevate everybody. I love that. And Kate, people are wondering where we're recording. Do we have this really cool podcast studio? I need to give myself a shout out because I elevated today And we had a lot of new podcast equipment that was delivered for today. So we're trying, we're trying a lot. We're just trying to be better. Aren't we? We are, you guys, I actually do need to give Courtney a serious shout out. So she's Uh the master for somebody that was like, I don't know. I don't really want to do this podcast. (laughs) All of a sudden she's like, Hey, listen, I have like a portable studio now for us. And I'm the master editor and I can do all these fun, crazy things. And I'm over here like, cool. I'm just going to come and talk on the (laughs) microphone. 
Cause that's what I thought we were doing. But I mean, I have a, a portable soundboard in front of me. I have my nice microphone. I'm still not giving you guys visuals of me because we like to record in our pajamas, but it's fine. You know, we're over that hump. <laughs> we're doing the best that we can. And we're coming into the home stretch of season one. Thank you to everyone that continues to reach out to unsupervised leadership at yahoo.com. Don't forget follow us on Spotify. We can't figure out how to get on Apple yet, but Adam, welcome, put in a help desk ticket for us. (laughs) I mean, we're pathetic, but we don't even care at this point. We're just having a good time. We're starting to listen to other people's podcasts to get different ideas. And we are listening to our listeners. So if you think that you have a really great idea or you want someone interviewed, or you want us to talk about something, you know, where to find us. And thank you for all of the support. And thank you to females being nice and gracious and kind to other females. You're always going to have a seat at our table table. for sure. Now we are going to transition into none other, our sparkle sister, the sparkliest of the sparkly. It is our sparkle spotlight with Dr. Bhavna Sharma Lewis. Hi, this is Bhavna Sharma Lewis with today's Sparkle Spotlight. Your health is obviously important, but stress, fear, and worry are far more damaging than any delicious food or drink that you may deny yourself. Happiness and peace are the best medicine. Cheers to living your best life. Sparkle on. Kate, we've done a lot of podcasts so far, haven't we? We have... But today this we is going to the... be great. No, thank you for saying that because today we are in the presence of greatness. We have been waiting for this. When you and I first came up with this idea, I mentioned these two women and you were like, do you think we could get them? Yeah. And I said, <laughs> girlfriend, I hope so. And I reached out to both of them. And one of the reasons that I love and respect both of these women is that they immediately said, yes, they have so many things going on in their lives, personally and professionally, but they said yes to us tonight. And today, everyone on unsupervised leadership, we have Dr. LaTanya Goffney, superintendent in Aldine, in <laughs> Texas. Did I do it okay? All right. Yes. Also the 2018 superintendent of the year and a finalist for the American Association of School Administrators, AASA, our National Superintendents Association, Women in Leadership Award. And so we are joined not only by LaTanya, but by Dr. Susan Enfield, superintendent of Highline Public Schools in Washington. A fun fact about Susan, she went to Harvard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think I wasn't going to talk about that. And (laughs) Susan is the 2022 superintendent of Mm -hmm. the year for Washington state. Ladies, welcome to unsupervised leadership. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) I'm excited too. So excited. Good to see you, Susan. Oh yeah, you too. Latanya is truly my sister soup. So no, it's, it's yeah, always it's a joy to share, to share space with her. Absolutely. Having the two of you together is very, very special. So welcome. And here's where we always begin our podcast, ladies. Kate and I like to talk about what is our favorite drink. We're going to turn that over to you. <laughs> ladies, do you have a favorite drink that you'd like to share? I, I kind of have many. Um, when it comes to beverages, I like to say I'm an equal opportunity drinker. Red and white appeals to me. So, um, like you know, yeah. so yes. And, and I, my dad lives in Napa. 
my husband, I got married in Napa. So I do love wine. I love a nice glass of wine. So, you know, that would probably be my, my go-to. Um, yeah. We you love know, it. We support it. Yeah. You know, when I think about my favorite drink and it's going to be a common one, because I, I think about, um, you're going to laugh, but I love coffee. I can drink several cups of coffee per day and I can drink coffee like right now. And I wouldn't even go to sleep. Like wow. literally, like I wouldn't be, I can go to sleep after drinking a cup of coffee. In the same way. In 2020, let me tell you, I went without coffee. I started the year. That was my new year's resolution. I'm not going to drink coffee. And so that was 2020. Remember the pandemic hit in 2020. <laughs> yeah. And so everyone was trying to convince me, drink coffee, drink coffee. But I went the whole 2020 without coffee and it was the worst year ever. And so I've been drinking coffee ever since. All there you go. <laughs> there yeah. you go. I just say, that is so funny though. Caffeine has no effect on me either. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have one glass in the morning, one glass. <laughs> okay. Can I, can I go back and edit that? I do not have yeah. a glass of anything. <laughs> I have a cup of coffee, um, but literally I could go right back to sleep after I finish that mm-hmm. cup of coffee. We love both of these choices. And so Latanya, I'm going to turn it over to you first. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. You know, um, I always try to uh, use any platform to just be open and honest about uh, who I am and where I come from. You know, I'm just an old country girl. Uh, Many have probably heard my personal story, but the reason why I'm so passionate about education is because it truly changed the trajectory of my life. Um, I was born with cards just stacked against me. Um, and if I had to start life at my life over and start the end of my story, I don't quite know if people would even believe me because of where I am today. So it's, it's interesting. People get excited and, you know, being soup of the year, but I was truly born into poverty. My mom was 14 when she had me and I never knew my father, my grandparents took care of me. We lived in poverty that you can't even imagine. Um, we had no indoor plumbing. Uh, My grandfather, he uh, collected cans and mowed lawns and um, he was illiterate, actually wrote his name with an X. Uh, And my grandmother, she cleaned houses. Neither one of them made it out of fifth grade. And so um, I told you my papa was illiterate, but he used to tell me, Tanya, if you can read, you can go anywhere. And so I learned so much from both my grandparents. They were both hard workers and they valued education and they sent me to school and I went to school and predominantly white areas. And my teachers loved me and I felt the love and raised in a predominantly white community. I told you my grandmother was a housekeeper for a white family. And so at an early age, I was surrounded by the love of community. And regardless of what it really was, this is what it was to me as a young child who didn't know. Education exposed me to what was possible and it Mm. truly changed the trajectory of my life. And as I told you earlier, um, with an education, you can go anywhere, have choices and opportunities. And that's what education did for me. And that's my desire as a superintendent, as a principal, as a teacher (laughs) from day one. That's been my desire through education to help change the trajectory of others' lives. And so um, didn't start on third base for sure. But uh, I'm certainly working to make sure that students who look like me, don't look like me, and who weren't born on uh, third base or might have not even been born in the whole, um, in the field house, they get to to live and have access to the American dream. So um, that's what 
uh, keeps me focused on living per- with purpose and excited about uh, the opportunities that we have as educators. Thank you. Susan. I was uh, born and raised in San Francisco. Uh, my parents met at the University of San Francisco, and uh, but my parents couldn't have come from more divergent backgrounds. So my father, on my father's side of the family, there were lawyers, professors, um, tons of formal education. My my grand my paternal grandparents met at UC Berkeley, where my grandfather was studying mechanical engineering, and and my grandmother was studying Greek to be an archaeologist. And on my mother's side of the family, both of her parents um, were Portuguese. And my my avô, which is grandfather in Portuguese, came actually came here as a teenager from Portugal, speaking no English. So he was an immigrant. My avó, my grandma, was born here, but her parents had come from Portugal. So um, and they were dairy farmers in the Central Valley of California. Very little formal education. In fact, my mother was the only one to attend college in her family until I did later on. And she had four other brothers who all had kids. But what that taught me was um, I spent a lot of time with Maya Vonava on the farm. And even though they didn't have the formal education that my dad's parents had, did not mean they didn't value the education that their daughter wanted to pursue. And that instilled early in me that it's not for any of us in public education to place a value on how much a parent or, or family member values their child's education. That is not our place to make those assumptions. And so I think that's what really it, it, you know, instilled a deep commitment to equity early on. And I think maybe the, the biggest challenge sort of I've ever faced personally in life was just before my fifth birthday, my parents were driving home from a business dinner and were hit by a drunk driver. And my mom was killed and my dad was very severely injured. It, it's really a miracle that he survived. And so, you know, I, it's, I grew up without my mother, but also I grew up with a family that was forever changed because of that incident. The grandparents that I knew were different people before their, their baby girl was killed. And, and the father I know and love, and my father and I are extremely close, was a different man before that tragedy happened. And, and I will tell you that I used that story. When I was a high school teacher, I used that story to talk with my students whenever we would talk about you know, don't drink and drive, drug and alcohol abuse. I would use that story, not in like a hyperbolic way, but just to say to them, it's not just who is directly injured or heaven forbid killed. It's that you have impacted forever the lives of so many other people. And you need to think about that. And that got some of my kids really thinking, right? About, about the unintended consequences of making an irresponsible choice like that. So um, while it was a challenge, you know, like I said, I was blessed to be surrounded by a lot of love growing up down on the dairy farm and with my dad and others. But uh, to be sure, when you lose a parent at a very young age, it rips the rug out from under you when it comes to ever feeling safe again in life, because you know that you can go to bed and wake up the next day and your world can be completely turned upside down. Yeah, that's very, very true. Very unfortunate, but very true. You ladies are so inspirational. You have, I mean, just, I could listen to both of you speak all day long about your, your past and where you are right now and all of your accomplishments. And you both are so strong and so driven, but can you maybe tell our listeners about a time that you each almost gave up, um, and didn't keep pushing towards your career and what happened or what helped to redirect you? Well, I was sitting here thinking about just the time when I almost gave up and I'm so glad I did it. I was serving as a principal of a, of a, of a middle school. And it was probably one of my favorite jobs, by the way. I love being a middle school principal. And um, I had 
professor, Dr. Smith, and he was, uh, he done our superintendency program. He came by and he was encouraging me to apply for the superintendency in our district. And I'm, this is a small town girl. This is uh, Texas. So in Texas, we have districts anywhere from uh, a couple of hundred to 200,000. So this is a smaller district, about 1,700 kids. And I've been a teacher and then I was a principal and we'd had a lot of superintendent turnover. So small town, there was a cry for a superintendent from the town. And so everyone in the small town knew that I was working on my doctorate and they were uh, wanting a, a superintendent. And so Dr. Bob came by and he said, well, Tanya, I think you're ready. They need a superintendent. And he's not from here. He's from Montgomery, which is far away. And he says, you need to apply. I said, I'm just a eighth grade, you know, I, not eighth grade. I was eighth grade language teacher, but I'm just a middle school principal. I don't have this experience. I don't have that experience. I don't have uh, any of the things that they said on the, um, the opening, the vacancy. It said, you have to have this experience, that experience in order to apply. And I didn't have any of those experiences. He told me, you don't worry about all that. You just go ahead and start working on your letter of interest, work on your resume, send it to me, and then we can go from there. I said, oh, Dr. Bob, I'll, I'll pray about it. He goes, okay, so while you're praying about it, go ahead and send me <laughs> that, the, the resume. And long story short, there were lots of things that happened along the way, but I almost allowed self-doubt that weekend talked me out of it because was, I was young, I was African-American, I was female, and I pretty much had, didn't think I could do it, didn't know what, really what it all it entailed. I just knew that three or four men had failed to, to keep the promise. And so long story short, I um, prayed about it, took a leap of faith, and with the support of my husband, I applied. And I, that's when I got my first superintendency in 2008, and I became the superintendent of Cold Spring Oakhurst CISD, a small uh, school district in East Texas. So um, I think that was a time which was pivotal in my career. Susan, you're up. Yeah. So um, I, I would say two times come to mind. The first was uh, when I entered the urban superintendents program at Harvard, it was an intense program where you did your two years of, of master's coursework in one year, in 12 months. You couldn't hold down a job like you were a full-time student. And it was intense because they wanted to sort of, you know, mirror what it's like to be a superintendent, which we all know is nuts. And so, you know, and so I, I was 34 years old. I left the Bay Area for the first time in my life, pretty much, to go back and live at Harvard. It was also right after 9-11. So not only was I far away from family in this really intense environment, there was a period of time where I was physically cut off. Like you couldn't get on a plane, a train, an automobile, if you all recall, for, you know, a couple months after that. So, you know, there was really a sense of isolation, of overwhelm. You know, Latanya talked about self-doubt. I mean, oh my gosh, talk about imposter syndrome. What the hell am I doing at Harvard? You know, how did this happen exactly? Crying was just like a, a regular pastime for me. And I'll never forget years later, I said to, to my step to my stepmom, do you remember that time at Harvard? You called me and I was crying. And she said, Every time I called you at Harvard, you were crying and she wasn't wrong. I mean, it was it was brutal. But, you know, I persevered and, and I persevered because, A, I had incredible mentors in Bob Peterkin and Linda Wing who ran that program and, and held us to the highest of standards and didn't let anything slide. But boy, did they um, support us and encourage us. And also, you know, and I mentioned this, how close my dad and I are. 
I knew I couldn't deprive my father of the joy of bragging that his daughter had a doctorate from Harvard. So like there were days where I was like, forget this. Like, I don't need this damn piece of paper. I am done. This is craziness. No more. And then, uh, and then I would be like, nope, I got to stay in the saddle. I got to stay in the saddle. So that was one thing. And I did persevere and, and finish. And I think the second one on a, on a professional note, it was 2014 in Highline and we had run a long overdue bond. And it was my first time running a, any kind of, of um, bond or levy campaign. And I worked so hard. And as we all know, you've got to raise the money for that. You've got to get people on board. And in Washington state, it's a super majority to pass. You need 60% of the votes. We got 59.28%. We lost by 212 votes. I was absolutely just, just flattened. And I was exhausted. I was angry. I was frustrated. And fortunately or unfortunately, I got invited to apply for um, the Broad Academy. I made the, the unwise decision of doing that, n- not recognizing what my headspace was in. And my headspace was not good. And so I went into this intensive interviewing performance, you know, uh, situation with people like John Daisley, people I super respect, right? And I flopped. I flopped. I mean, it was abject failure. Like I didn't just not do well. Like I failed. I failed bad in front of people I really respected. And it was really a low moment, but I think that what it reminded me of, sometimes we need to fail and be broken down to build ourselves back up. And so, yes, did I want to give up in that moment? Was I mortified? Absolutely. And I picked myself back up, figured it out and got back in the saddle. When I listen to both of you, I know that the two of you have recently connected and you've become friends Mm -hmm. and have a great respect for one another. Susan, you probably don't remember, but before this past year at the national superintendents conference, the last time before that, that we were in person, I remember walking through the lobby. I was like, there's Susan Enfield. Can I take a picture? Can I, I was fangirling like, oh my gosh. And you were you had never met me and you were so kind. And- oh, I knew who- you have a reputation, Miss yes. Courtney. Don't you well, even, don't I do. you even Not that play great. yourself down like that. No, I knew exactly who you were. But I was, I was, um, I was a little bit starstruck. I'm not going to lie. I remember when Latanya and I first connected and then we had the opportunity to finally see each other in person at this last conference. One of the things that I have always loved and respected about both of you is that you're nice to women. Hmm. You do not ever come across that you are better. You'd never come across that you're too um, important, even though both of you are so well-respected. And so just from my vantage point, and I know we're all three in different States, but thank you for, for that. And so I want you to talk to us a little bit. Kate and I have had some conversation about women, not being nice to other women. (laughs) That's not been our experience with you, but I'm just curious, have you ever experienced that in your career? I know that both of you have a great sister soup crew filled with really positive, engaging females, but do you see this as a problem in our field and what should we be doing about it? Talk to us. Latanya, can I kick this one off? Sure. 
So I actually call it, uh, and, and my really good friend and also fierce female super, uh, superintendent, Chris Gilmore uh, in Wisconsin, and I wrote a piece in School Administrator Magazine a couple of years ago, and we actually call this the queen bee syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know, in a beehive, there can only be one queen bee. There ain't more than one queen bee. And I think there are some situations where a woman in power feels like she's the queen bee and she doesn't want to have any other wannabes <laughs> um, around her. I know that was a good one, right, Kate? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I have experienced that at times in my life. And I think what that has done for me is instill in me an absolute resolve to never, ever do that to another female colleague. Um, I feel that we are all in this together. When one of us is lifted up, it lifts all of us up. And, you know, I, I, and I've been blessed to surround myself with other just really fierce, fabulous women who support me, who challenge me, who respect me, who love me and wrap their arms around me when I need it the most. And I, and that's, so that's what I try to do for the other women in my life. And when I'm mentoring younger leaders who are coming up, trying to instill the same thing in them to say, don't succumb to that. Don't do it. We're better than that. We have to be better than that. Yeah, I would ditto uh, what Susan said. And I actually had an experience and I won't name the organization, but it was a state organization in Texas that focuses on women. And um, I'll never forget, I went to uh, one of my first meetings in 2008. And I told you I was um, the youngest superintendent in the state at the time. In 2008, I was 31. I was African-American, can't change that. And of course, I was at a women's convening. So I thought it was a safe space. And at this meeting, there were some older women and they just happened to have been white because this organization was predominantly white. So I was only one of a handful of African-Americans who were there, probably two of us there. And I just remember when I was introduced as a superintendent because uh, very few superintendents were even involved in this particular organization at, at, at the time because it was about school executives. They literally looked at me and said, you're a superintendent? And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. How old are you? So it wasn't even racial. It was age discrimination because they were much older and I was young. And, um, and so then I would try to oh, but I'm in a small district, try to make excuses for why or try to hide the shame of why. And so um, I knew that I never wanted that to be the case. And so I've used what happened to me as fuel to make sure, number one, it doesn't happen again, but also to change the face and the expectations of what uh, female soups act like in our state. And um, And I'm so happy that I've been able to connect with soups across the country since 2020, like seriously. Um, being uh, nominated for the award with Susan, as well as COVID and being connected with Sister Soups, it really changed things because um, we're able to demonstrate what's possible when you have women who come together and lift one another up. I realized that some of those women who spoke down to me, they had broken dreams. They'd never been soups. They'd been deputy superintendents and had made choices in their lives that um, didn't propel them or they probably should have been soups and didn't get the experience and so on and so forth. They may, may have seen me as affirmative action or whatever. I can't change that. Hurting people hurt people. So literally, I make it my business. I speak to every woman that I meet, every woman. And then I try to uh, we connect it in a way that's powerful. Uh, we have a group meet. It has every female soup in the state of Texas. 
that's in this group me. And I started in that organization. I ended up becoming the president of the organization. And now we have nearly 100 female soups who attend. So I made sure that no one has that same experience. And we totally changed the face of that organization. So I used a bad experience to kind of focus and make it a good experience. But like Susan, when I mentor others and when people see how busy I am and they know it, they'll say, oh, but you're so busy. But I also know that people do what they want to do. Susan, you know, <laughs> Courtney said, oh, we're busy, but we love Courtney. We love Kate. And we know that people do what they want to do. And so we want to be here and we want to make sure and share the stories and empower other women to, you know, live their truths and share their journeys. So thank you all for having us tonight. So the, for those of you that are listening right now, <laughs> both of these women, Latanya and Susan are absolutely amazing. Today is the first day that they uh, got to meet me virtually, which has been fantastic. But the best part about this was listening to them kind of talk back and forth when they were introducing themselves. And they're not joking when they say that they really do support each other because they were talking about meeting each other because they were nominated for the same award. And after they met each other and got to talk to one another, they were like, I hope you win. No, I hope you win. <laughs> it wasn't like, and no, I'm going to go home. Yes. And you yeah. could tell that it was real. And it was like, yes, I, I love those things that you're doing, which is so rare and should be celebrated so much more often because I think that those are just such powerful moments that change the trajectory of people's careers and just make education human again, which I think it's been missing for so long in the concept of friendship and being able to confide in people. So thinking about that, uh, LaTanya, how, how can we help more females get into superintendent positions? Is there somebody that helped you, mentored you that you can think of? I know you mentioned a couple people that kind of forced you to turn in your resume, but we're grateful for him. I know, but the irony is my mentors were all male. They were all white males. Three, Dr. Bob uh, Smith, Dr. Billy Bowman, and um, another uh, professor from Sam Houston. So all males. And so I make it our, my business. I'm super excited to be an ASA mentor for, um, for Candy's group and the female, uh, aspiring female superintendents in that group. And also across the state and in Texas, you guys, we have over 1,200 uh, districts, but fewer than 200 are run by women. That's a sad reality. And so we're working really hard to make sure women, you know, they want to, we want to wait until we have every experience before we even apply, before we even apply. Even if we know we're qualified or interested and we will train uh, the next soup, <laughs> even if they're less experienced. And so trying to get women to understand that you're not going to get 100% of the jobs that you don't apply for. So getting them ready for the, the, the process. But I think more importantly, though, uh, making ourselves available to spend time and model and demystify the position, because many times they think it's oh, like, oh, um, not that, that we're not human, but we are human having a superintendent experience in which we get to make decisions that impact a lot of students and a lot of, 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 of leaders per se, but demystifying what it is and what it isn't, and then showing them they have the skills that are transferable from whatever position they're in right now to a superintendent's position if they choose and can apply, and then helping them to have the skills necessary in order to interview uh, for a job. So I think the one thing that we can do is mentor, sponsor, uh, help to navigate the, uh, the whole process, because that's what my, my, I call, my white mentors did for me, who happened to have been male. And so I try to do that for all of the, the women 
who are willing and able. A lot of people say I'm their mentor and they may never call me and I'm not going to call them. But for the people who truly want help and desire feedback, I will read resumes. I have read cover letters. I've given feedback on preparation for interviews. I have talked about my own experiences. I've shared my own materials and done things like that. So I think that's the most important thing that we can do. Demystify the whole superintendent, aspiring superintendent experience leading up to the superintendent's job. And then once you get the job, it's so important that you continue that mentor relationship. Susan, what do you think? So I just love doing anything with LaTanya because she sets, she just says it like so beautifully. And I could just go, yep, Check plus next to that. Um, the only thing I would add is one of the best pieces of advice I ever got from a, a, a mentor and colleague years ago was never turn down a job you haven't been offered yet. Always go for it. And, and I think what we see too often with women in particular is we are too quick to say, oh, am I not qualified? Oh, I'm not sure I'm ready. I guarantee you very few, if any of our male colleagues ever have those thoughts. And so when a woman says to me, I'm not sure I should apply, I say, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? Right? Go for it. Because here's the thing. I I have interviewed, I just very publicly interviewed as a finalist in San Diego and didn't get it. But it was good experience, right? I mean, in all of those experiences, even when you don't get the job, it's preparing you for the job you are going to get. So I think saying that, and I think Latanya brought up something too, that I don't think we talk about enough, and I think we should. I, like Latanya, I mentor a number of, but both male and female colleagues, but particularly women. There, there's a, a brilliant uh, colleague I have, a principal here in my system, um, African American man who aspires to be a principal. I have shared with him what I can share with him as a leader, but I don't know what it's like to be a black man leading in this space. And so I had him present with me at AASA this year and then connected him with all of the brilliant black male superintendents that I'm privileged to know. And they stepped up and took him into their circle. So, you know, wonderful people like Mark Bedell, Lavelle Brown, Baron Davis, you know, Melvin, like all of these wonderful men who are just fierce leaders that I admire because they will be able to give him mentorship that I simply cannot. And that is also helping him to begin to build his network. I think one of the things we need to do, it's fine for me to be a single mentor for someone, but I need to help her or him start building that network. Networking is so, so important. And the more that we can do that, I think that yields tangible benefits for folks who are aspiring to be in the role. Oh, Susan, we hadn't heard this before, Courtney. I think we need to uh, raise it up, but sharing our network, because that's so important. I do it for all my Latinas. And so uh, from uh, Martha Salazar-Zamora, she's serving as a mentor for um, several of my aspiring superintendents who happen to be Latina, because like you said, there are experiences that I can't speak to, but that she will be able to, to speak to. But I think sharing our networks with them, and then on top of that, just introducing them to other soups who are in the position and have had different experiences, because that helps. Because like you said, I can only share so much, but then to be able to come up to Susan reach out a hand and say, hi, Ms. Enfield or Dr. Enfield, so very nice to meet you. And you, you were able to kind of make some connections. So I think that's so important. And men network better than women. Women need to talk about it. We need to encourage each other to do it. We have, we will have so many females say, oh, I'm just going to stay in the office. No, get out of the office. Please connect with your other colleagues. And so this is really inspirational and great advice for everyone who is listening. So 
I want you to think about this. How are you taking care of yourself? The superintendency is so demanding physically, emotionally, (laughs) mentally. And how do you also make sure that the people that you are working with on a day-to-day basis see you as a human? Oh, that's easy. I'm a mess half the time. So I think it's pretty clear that I'm 100% human. So, you know, I mean, I'll kick this off. I'm so I'm a big believer in health and family first, always, 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 always. And I preach that and I model it. And I'm fortunate that I have a husband who helps me do that. So for example, I have a, a little, I have a head cold today. But you know, I didn't work out yesterday. And so I'm like, well, I really need to work out today. And my husband's like, you are not getting off the couch. You're going to sit there. I'm going to make you a nice dinner and you're just going to relax because that's what you need to do right now. So, you know, yes, I exercise regularly. Yes, I try to eat well, but I think it helps having, for lack of a better term, and it doesn't have to be a spouse. It can be a friend, an an accountability buddy, right? Like somebody who's also looking out for you and saying, when was the last time you ate something green? You know, when was the last time you went out and got some fresh air? And so I'm, I'm fortunate to have that. And I will just also say, in addition, practicing gratitude. Uh, I think during the pandemic, especially finding something each morning and each evening to reflect on and be grateful for helps keep my perspective. And I think helps keep me in a healthier headspace. It's so easy to perseverate on the craziness because there's plenty of it. But I really, really try to focus on what I can be grateful for. And there's something every day, even on the worst days, there's always something every day you can be grateful for. So seek that out and hold on to it. Well, I'm not doing a good job of taking care of myself. And I think, honestly, COVID has exasperated it. I am like Susan. I'm very blessed to have a a great husband who helps uh, by praying for me and ensuring that I'm doing halfway right as far as taking care of myself, but I do need to learn to prioritize. And I do love what she said about accountability. Uh, One of the things that uh, we were able to do is our Zoom calls during the midst of COVID, but recognizing when you need to call someone for help and kind of listen to wise counsel. And so that's a, a blessing for sure. I believe in prayer and um, recognize the power of prayer. But I, I think as I'm getting older, I've got to definitely find some of that work-life balance because I, I definitely don't have a, a good handle on that. Maybe by the time y'all invite us back, I'll, I'll have a better answer for that one. And because this is like the Real Talk podcast, can we just talk about being a woman in her fifties and, and boy, the struggle is real friends. Okay. So for those of you in your forties, I don't want to hear it. You just enjoy that. Well, I'm, close. I'm, 45. I'm chasing you, Susan. I'm chasing can I just you. tell you, like, I'm going to be 54 next month. It doesn't get better. So enjoy wherever you are now in the life journey, because you're trying to stay in shape. When you're a woman in her fifties is as hard as everyone told you it would be. And you never believed it growing up, especially during a pandemic when your stress load is like off the charts. So that's been super fun to, to live with as well. That's right. Right. I was thinking, when's the last time I've had something green? When's the last uh-huh. time I've eaten something green? My goodness. <laughs> yeah. I mean, go get, get yourself a plate of broccoli or something, Courtney. Come on. Right. It's, it's the cortisol. I'm telling you guys, I'm in my thirties and it's not I'll do anything. And it just doesn't work. I was like, man, I just, I, I, Kate, I love you. I have just, I just met you, but you just need to stand down sweet. Because you know what? There's nothing in your beautiful thirties world right now. Kate, I wish I had enjoyed my thirties. I did not. I don't enjoy your thirties. Yes. Yes. And your forties. 
Okay. Yeah, we are. You know, and, and just- by the way, though, can I just say in all, in all seriousness, on the days when I do get down on myself because, you know, it's harder to zip up my pants or my jacket doesn't button as nicely as it should. I, again, I go back to gratitude. I'm grateful that I am healthy, that I am loved, that I am able to get up and go for a walk and go to work and fight Mm. this fight. And so I joke about it, but I really do try to keep some perspective because I feel blessed to have the the life and the health that I have right now. Well said. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, ladies. So now that we all know each other's ages, um, (laughs) we're going to, (laughs) we are, I guess our listeners and even myself, what's something people would be surprised to know about each one of you? So you go first. Okay. So I told you I'm from the country, right? And so Mm -hmm. when you're a superintendent of the country, for all of you aspiring superintendents, um, you have to be ready at all times. And so there was going to be this battle of San Jacinto County. We want to encourage more people to come to the rodeo. I remember cold spring, we have about 1,650 children. And for the rodeo, everybody comes out. Susan's already like, what did y'all do in cold spring, Texas? Guess what? Uh, I rode a buffalo and I got a video to prove it. And I was scared to death, Susan. Like I've never been more scared in my life. Do we have video footage of that by any chance? Let's <laughs> cash money. We need it. I yeah. was scared all day long. Like it was, because I, I don't do animals. I'm from the country, but I don't do animals. And the whole arena was packed. And so it was, uh, there are two schools in this district, uh, two districts in this county. So you had, the Battle of San Jacinto County. It was Cold Spring versus Shepherd, And Mr. Cronin was a cowboy. And it was me. And they said they, they needed to increase attendance at the rodeo. And if I would volunteer myself, that we would have better attendance than it was for our kids. <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm about to die. And literally by the time I'm on this buffalo and everybody was sending me videos for a week of people dying off buffaloes because that's what we do in the country. And when they opened the gate, it was just, it was a crazy, I just flew off. And so he, he won and the crowd went wild. Always oh for the gosh. kids, isn't it? It's always for it's the bad. kids. Bad. But the things we do for our kids. The yes. things we do. Susan, what about you? What's something people would be surprised to know about you? So I think people would be surprised that I am an epic napper. And bad TV watcher. Because I think people think of me. Yeah, look, even Latanya. Latanya knows me pretty well. I think people think that I'm like, you know, going, going, going all the time. But like on the weekends, oh, I can be on this couch for hours getting caught up on my 90 day fiance like nobody's business. And I mean, seriously, like I've, I've really mastered it. You know, what I've learned about myself, and I actually think this is really important. I think as we go through life, we need to, to get to know ourselves mm-hmm. and, and what we need and how we function best. And what I've found is that I can go at the crazy rapid pace that I go for about six weeks mm-hmm. and then I hit a wall mm-hmm. and I go down hard for a day or so. And then I pop back up, but I just, I, it's, it's almost cyclical for me. I can, um, I can almost like sort of feel when it's coming. And I have learned to just go with it, right? If, if I need to take a three hour nap, on a Saturday, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. And if that's what I need, that's what I need. But I think people would be surprised to see me on my couch watching such bad television. Um, but <laughs> I mean, bad television. I like watching things that I don't have to think. 
Like, oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like, totally. I don't have to think about 90 day fiance. On say. Like, I don't care. Like, right. You just it's, watch yeah, it. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's easy. It's just easy. So, yeah, yeah I think that would be one thing. Listen, this is the content that everyone is tuning in for right yeah. now on unsupervised leadership. So, we're going to begin to close out. But before we do, as you know, this podcast is about F4 leaders. What's an F4 leader? It's someone who's fun fabulous, fierce, and female. That's why we have asked the two of you to be with us today. Who are some of your two to three most favorite F4 leaders that you think all of our listeners and the two of us should be following? Oh gosh, it's hard to limit it to two or three. And I know that Latanya and I will have some overlap, but geez, well, you know, I mentioned Chris Gilmore, who's in DC Everest in Wisconsin who actually is retiring, but has been superintendent for like 17 years. I think of some, everyone in our sister soup circle. I think of just the, the, the brilliance and tenacity and ferocity when needed and grace of people like Catrice Pereira and Carol Kelly Mm -hmm. and, you know, just all of these wonderful people. And then I think about the women who came before us in these roles. I think about Akaya Henderson. Mm-hmm. who is now leading some brilliant work in this country. Women that I can the women that I looked up to when I was coming up in the role and now see them going into their next chapter, which of course God willing we all have a next chapter. Mm-hmm. So watching Kaya, watching like Cami Anderson, these fierce women continuing to mm-hmm. fight the fight outside of the superintendency. Those would be some I would name. Yeah, she named, she got all of the the ones that I, I was thinking of. Um, across the country, I'm thinking, did she miss any? Janice Jackson, of course, um, she's retired from CPS, but still doing good work in Chicago, Baltimore, good friend, um, and her name is escaping me right now. Um, Sonia, Sonia Santelises. Sonia Santelises, of course, you need to follow her. Just Texas friends while I'm thinking of them. Jill Siler, she's doing really good work in Texas. Uh, she's no longer in the superintendency, but she's teaching everyone to thrive through the five. And then, of course, Martha Salazar-Zamora, she's on the ASA governing board, but she's doing exceptional work. Her district is a shining example about what is possible with leadership. She's doing a great job in Texas. Uh, In addition, you said Catrice Pereira, just uh, Contreras. I know she retired. Kyla Johnson, she's definitely to follow. For sure. Dr. Alicia Johnson, IPS, is definitely one you should follow. Yep. Um, Sharon Contreras is who I was trying to think of, but she's retired as well, but still doing good work. Yeah, and she's so awesome. there's so many awesome ones. I hate to leave any out. And then of course, uh, where is she working? She left Chiefs for Change, but I just love her because she does a lot of research on women. Who? Uh, the one who used Julia. to- Julia. Julia. Julia Rafael Barrett. Yeah, she's yeah. amazing. She's one to follow too. She's a fierce advocate for women. Wow, you ladies gave us a lot of people we need to follow. <laughs> Sorry, you want to show who doesn't. Yeah, and usually keep going. Like, oh, I mean, there's so many. I'm gonna write there. them down. Yeah, let's be like, okay, I'm gonna write them down and follow them. If I don't already, but I was like, never mind. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to this again. Kate, you can follow up with us. We can send you a list. Yes. 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 So speaking of that, you two are the epitome of an F4 leader. You both are fabulous. You're fierce. You're fantastic. You are everything you know that I aspire to be when I grow up, whenever that is. And how do our listeners um, get in touch with you, follow you? Do you guys mind sharing your Twitter handles or anything like that? Sure. I'm at Souped Enfield, S-U-P-T-E-N-F-I-E-L-D. And it's the same on Instagram. And mine is at Dr. Goffey, B-R-G-O-F-F-N-E-Y on Twitter. And I think on Instagram is I am Dr. Goffey. And so um, just available to 
follow me. And one thing that I've learned from Susan, you follow me and you're an educator, I'm going to follow you back. So that's so Susan is a great connector too. That's what I love. That's the type of support that we look for on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And that's why yeah. at the beginning of this, we said, we feel like we're in the presence of greatness. And Kate, they delivered, didn't they? Yeah. They really did. Now we're all going to be best friends, guys. Just to say, no. <laughs> well, okay, consider us part of your network now. That's the uh, of it. is a great connector, and now she's mm-hmm. connected all of us. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I can't thank you enough, and I know that Kate feels the same, and this has been a new adventure for us. So to have the two of you on here is truly special. You will always have a seat at our table, and thank you for coming to our table today and sharing your wisdom and your knowledge. And so thank you to Susan and LaTanya. And with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off of Unsupervised Leadership. Thanks, ladies. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Congratulations.